Support for this episode of Talking Tesla and the following message come from Wonder Capital. Wonder Capital's online investment platform allows you to invest in solar energy products across the United States. Earn up to 8.5% annually while diversifying your portfolio, curbing pollution and combating global climate change. In fact, investors like you financed 40 large-scale projects in 2016, offsetting the equivalent of 2.5 million pounds of CO2 from burning coal. You can begin investing with as little as $1,000. And best of all, Wonder Capital doesn't charge any investor fees. To learn more, create a free account at wondercapital.com forward slash Tesla. That's Wonder with a U. W-U-N-D-E-R capital.com forward slash Tesla. Wonder Capital. Do well and do good. Talking Tesla. Talking Tesla. Tesla. I'm not sure if like my foot should be on the brake or the accelerator. Because they put rings on Elon. It must be some sort of geometrical algorithm. I don't think you need to touch the steering wheel there, Tom. Oh, I'm sure there's some math. So SpaceX, <laughs> here's the deal. Um, landing a rocket on a drone ship is key. Charger, 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 <laughs> charger. How am I expected to drive a car without autopilot? Safety. Charger, charger, charger. <laughs> you know, I'm not a good park at all. Yeah. I'll be the first to admit it. Yeah. I think that this is a car company that is run by super geeks. All the other cars are going to be stupid cars compared to this car. You don't even have to remember that. You've got a Model X. I have seen the future, and it is light pole charging. Well, I wouldn't call it a screw-up. Do you like your Model X? God, it's beautiful. <laughs> Oh, boy. This show is the best. We are getting so good at this. We are here. It's Talking Tesla 94. We're getting so what? close to our 100th birthday. Oh, it's so exciting. So uh, a couple of days ago, we had about 112 to 115 degree day, which is about 43, that, 44. Was that the day that broke 116 years of record keeping in Los Angeles? That is uh, correct. And you know what's uh, good about a 115 degree day? I know. I know. Go, Tom. Absolutely nothing. No, it makes a 110 degree day, which will be today, <laughs> seem quite lovely. No. No, that's incorrect. <laughs> that, that means that you don't actually have to, you know, use any carbon to heat your house. My uh, solar panels are uh, melting. They're trying to keep up with my air conditioner. They're turning back into silica. <laughs> it's unbelievable. I was at a, at a gathering on the 4th of July in gathering. Fillmore, 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 a place here hot. in California. It was very hot. And there were like six or seven Teslas parked in a row at this person's home. It was a Tesla Club LA director's meeting. And... You could hear alternately the fans in the car going off. It was like a sequential, like one would go off, another one would start going on. You guys had a director's club meeting on America's birthday? We did. It was a barbecue, a meeting, you know, powwow. Fillmore, one of the few places uh, in this area where where fireworks are legal. They are. In fact, I passed no less than nine fireworks stands. We did too, but we didn't pass them all. (laughs) (laughs) He stopped and got some. If you know what I mean. I was thinking that would be cool to stop and get some, but I told, I I used my uh, conservation side. And doctor sense, and decided not. Growing to. up, fireworks your conservation were, side, like at yeah, that because point, they're already made. Growing up, but they're not. They haven't been exploded and consumed oxygen and released CO two and magnesium okay, and all fine. the other good stuff. But they're pretty. I they was going to do it from a medical point of view because growing up uh, in Australia, in rural Australia, uh-huh. fireworks were uh, legal. 
Yeah, of course and they were. And pretty much every other kid in my class had three fingers. Because you guys had to use them to get rid of like termite mounds and stuff like that. I almost blew off a, a finger as a child yeah. at, in Illinois holding a, a firecracker. Of course. It luckily, seems to it be was that's a, the reason you have fireworks. Luckily, it was a tiny one and I only got a blood blister. But my, my family members would have these – they would buy Roman candles, which, I don't know, shoot flaming hot things out at, of them. Oh, God. I and don't they like would, where this is they going. They would have Roman Roman candle wars no. at construction sites, nice. and but I mean, you figure set, this was um, like the to set early, things on fire. This is like the late seventies, early eighties. Of course, like before we, we were we an evolved were, species. We were of course wearing headgear and, and eye protection. Oh yes, absolutely. All that was happening. Yeah, there was like a hazmat suit. In no, this. none of that was happening. But if it was we, fun. If we get to the show, what? we're having a show. Um, well, I've got on the notes here. And I did my notes, started my notes on Friday. And I'm like, uh, where is uh, serial number one car? It's the end of Friday. There's no car. There's no car. Serial number one didn't come out on Friday. Delayed no. again. Another huge delay for huge Tesla. Huge delay. It wasn't released Hammer until Saturday. Hammer that stock price. Hammer that stock price. It was delayed until Saturday. And when like, there were pictures that Elon posted, first of all in black and white, which was a bummer. Like, what color is that? Then he's it so was, adorable, isn't he? Then somebody else took a picture when they were actually taking pictures of the picture. Yes. And they posted it. And so Elon quickly followed up with another picture, which was... A black car, so black and white. Didn't I know. saw the black and white photo, and I instantly went back into the 1800s and started hand tinting it. <laughs> oh so this morning, I sent you guys a link to a video. Yeah, we yes, watched. You it. did. You did watch it. Yes. There's this whole blow up on the internet. Oh. Is it got automatic opening doors? Mm-hmm. Do they? You know? Does it? You know? Can you just open the doors with an iPhone app and blah mm-hmm. blah blah? And you know, I can watched you? the video very carefully. Mm-hmm. It's just the the little J shaped yeah. hockey. Stick mm-hmm. door and yeah. it just levers and it opens and it doesn't look like yeah. anything special to me. You know what else that video brought to me? This what? is what I told Tom was this, angry. This is what I will tell you about that video. We have seen at this point several videos, photos, pictures, uh, images, as it were, images of the outside of various Model 3s, Alphas, okay. Betas yes. in general. These people, there were no less than four or five people surrounding this oh car God, with cameras. Yes. Did anybody think Duh. to take a video inside and post it? This is why we need to be on the road more often, interviewing people as oh, we travel the country. Because Lord. could you imagine, oh. have just you have just pulled up to the Fremont Supercharger, you're on your way uh-huh. to or from the Bay mm-hmm. Area, and... Outrolls SN1. Uh-huh. What would you do, Tom? Yeah, I'd be taking all kinds of pictures of the inside. I'd be like, excuse me, sir, is this your vehicle? Would you mind if I sat in the front seat for a little while? You know what that means? Uh-huh. That means you're a geek. Uh-huh. You're a Tesla geek, Tom. Yeah, shocker. Because you'd pull your GoPro out and you'd have your camera going and a microphone and people would look at you and they'd shuffle you off. I'd the use property. my iPhone and that leads me into a segue about how there is good in the world. Over the weekend, Please. I was doing some plumbing work because I'm a DIYer, and I went to Lowe's, and at one point I put my phone and wallet not in the back of my car as I was loading it, but on the roof of my car. As you would. Okay. As, as I mean, that seems like the most logical place for <laughs> so, that. Absolutely. Then I put the stuff in the car, I closed the door, and I got in the car, and I drove away, and I was like, hmm, I'm a little peckish. I should get some food. Hmm. And I was like, oh, I left my phone and wallet on the hood of, on the roof of my vehicle and drove away. Dope. So I went out. I parked. I looked. It wasn't there. Drove back up to where I was. Uh, it was also not there. Oh. And then uh, by the time I got home, some lovely couple had brought my wallet 
to my home with all of my stuff in it. So there is good in the world. Wow. The phone is gone. They were there at the same time as a couple other people who uh, they hmm. spirited off with my telephone, which I'm assuming at that moment was already very broken because it hasn't been – have the find the iPhone thing and it's right. been lost. But to the couple, if you happen to be Tesla enthusiasts and you returned a wallet over the weekend – Thank you very much. That's lovely. That's a beautiful story, right? Of stupidity followed by loveliness <sighs> and sadness. Who, wait, was the, oh my was the stupidity? Yeah, no, I get it. Does yeah. this mean, Tom, that you actually like subliminally wanted the iPhone eight, and now this is your excuse? Oh, so here's the bigger problem, right? So I didn't have a, a stack of iPhone sixes sitting around my house. So now I'm rocking an old iPhone five with Ooh. a cracked screen. <laughs> With uh, and almost no storage, so I've had to like delete everything to get just the mm. stuff I need to load on it until the next iPhone comes. Can in. I get back to serial number one? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah. actually, just before you go there, because we're sure. going to have to take this security out, because I was really harsh with Tom saying that's a stupid thing to do. Yeah, thanks. But you know what's stupider? What? Uh, when your cousins are over and uh, you're going for a swim in your pool. And you dive in the pool and you're like, oh, it's so nice, it's so hot outside. <laughs> and then your cousin goes, is that an iPhone at the bottom of the pool? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh crap. Did that happen this weekend? Yeah. Oh, wow. So I dive down and I pull out my phone. But the good news is it's an iPhone 7, which is waterproof, and I tested it. Yes. It's still working fine. Really? Fine. Wow. Look at that. That's the reason to get an iPhone 7. That's it was sitting awesome. at the bottom of an eight-foot pool going, oh, I'm drowning. Now, do you think iPhone 8 is also going to be waterproof? I don't think that they're, they're going to wind backwards. that back. Yeah, no, they say they're going to get rid of the little dot on which you put your finger. Mm. Or maybe, actually, I read that they're going to keep it. They're going to keep it. But who the heck knows? Because this is not the iPhone podcast. (laughs) Yes, this is serial number one. You were going to talk about that. Tesla podcast. So I was doing a little more looking at the car, like really scoping at it. And I realized Mm -hmm. that here's a trivial piece. Mm -hmm. You know, on the S, Mm -hmm. in in the driver and passenger window that slides up and down, just in front of it is a triangular window made out of glass. It's kind of curious that it's there. It's kind of nice. It doesn't exist on the Model 3. Got rid of it. I really like the wheels. The wheels are, are really nice, yeah. slick wheels. Can you, can you explain to me why, okay, we know that there are not going to be many options, why they're having an 18-inch wheel and a 19-inch wheel. Really? One inch makes that much difference? It could, theoretically. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm not There's a, a lot of torque on that car, man. It makes it sticky. Yeah, sticky. I don't know. And we it want gives, the 19-inch wheels, right? Well, They're the people, ones that are going to wear better. Some people, I don't know. Some people like that know. low. So on the on the Tesla, the 21-inch wheel is better than right? the. No, it's not no, better. It's, no, it's the other way the, the tires wear more because That's it's right. a low-profile tire. That's a lot right. of people like that low-profile look. One thing that Elon also mentioned plus was plus it's better in cornering. You get less deformation of yeah, the tire right. as so you're it's cornering, a performance, but so it, it holds the road up. better. But the right. tires that are made for 21 are stickier. So, again, they hold the road better. But because they're stickier, as you roll down the road without doing any high-performance stuff, you leave more rubber right. on the road. And they then every eight or 10,000 miles, you need a set of tires. So we can assume that those will be a similar thing if you buy the 19s, right. which is one of the – Two options Elon mentioned that Correct. you would get to choose your wheels and your color. color. Now, interestingly enough, he didn't mention whether or not autopilot was an option or not. Right? No. Like, so that to me was very interesting that that part of it was omitted. Well, they, it's 
again, it's frustrating because of the lack of information. Just when you think you've learned something new is and you've seen something new and you're like, they still are not telling us anything. Or like, is it the reason this show exists at well, all? Well, there's that. <laughs> exactly. So July 28th is the reveal mm. when they give it to the first 30 people, I guess, Did you guys at that get your point, invites? Uh, no. Oh, you didn't? Oh, that sucks. I, I submitted to Elon a tweet requesting an invitation. Of course you did. And multiple people have said, yeah, these guys should be there, so on. Yeah. But I already told you, Tom, I, I've got like four shifts in three days. And I know. The, the chances of me getting rid of shifts and giving up the money, right? It's like I'm not, I'm not getting paid enough here. But we are going to do a live show, right? For those of you that are around. Tom, well, are they going to stream that? We don't know. I assume that they're going to are because gonna... it's the reveal of the most How anticipated Karen about a Do a live years. show anyway and have a barbecue. And but it's some... already been revealed. It's not a reveal. This it's is a, a reveal reveal. This is a delivery reveal. I mean, they're going to open up the store at least and they're going to say you can get black or black. <laughs> like black or black. A little bit blacker. So something else I noticed, I, I noticed that there were extra superchargers in Fremont. It's like they've added a few more superchargers. Mm-hmm. I counted 10 in the video that I sent to you guys. 10 additional or 10 no, total? 10 total. And it looks like we'll get There's to this. There's always been 10, though, no? No, I don't There's always been that. a lot on that other there has There has been a lot. The other thing was that, uh, you know, serial number one, mm-hmm. originally, Tom, you said was going to go to Elon. But in reality, you were wrong. It was Ira F. and Aaron Price's. And the question that I have, right, so Ira, Tesla board member, Ira Aaron Price, was in line to receive the first car, but he passed his rights to Elon as a 46th birthday present. And so now Elon owns serial number one Roadster, serial number one X, and serial number one uh, Model 3. He does not own serial number 1S. That board member decided to keep it. But yeah. my question to you, gentlemen, is what do you think the process is when they're sitting around the board meetings trying to decide whose turn it is to get serial number 1? Rochambeau? No, no. He was the first to flash a $35,000 check. Same thing for... What? What? This That's is a right. great story. That, no, Please no, no, go no, no, on. No, wait, what? It's the first to pay for the car. That's who gets... Serial number one. So Ira like a bunch of- threw down a $35,000 check at a board meeting, and he beat Elon to the punch. What? Same thing for Model S. Um, That's not how it would work if I was Elon. I'll tell you that right now. Elon- but do they say, okay, everybody, get your checks out, pens down, <laughs> and first one with $35,000, go! No, I think they just kind of... <laughs> Popped it out there, and and boom, he gets it. So he gets car serial number two. Hmm. And I get serial number three. That would be nice, wouldn't it? I'm not getting serial number three. Did we learn anything else from this video? So the picture was fine, but this video is quite extensive of the outside. (laughs) Yes. Uh, It was. was, We learned that that the guy who was driving it was more than happy to park it just perfectly so people could get pictures of the Tesla sign in the backdrop. He kept smiling and looking as if he was posing, and I wondered. He was driving SN1, but of course he was was smiling. Was that Ira? I don't think so. Yeah, Um, they just sent a Tesla board member out there to the... My glossy on this, although you're all mad because you didn't see the insidey side. I'm not mad. I just was like, that would have been nice, don't you think? The dash looks like all the dashes I've seen. They did get a look. I saw it look in the window. I saw it at the top of the 15-inch horizontal screen. It looks just like what I'm expecting it to look like. It looks beautiful. Beautiful. It does. It looks way better than most cars around that uh, cost. It looks like a shrunk down S. It looks like Tom's car. <laughs> it does look like my car. But I have another question for you, gentlemen. Since the when the X came out, 
We yes. we were very very complaining about the lack of third row of the folding seats in the second row. Right? We were, yes. we were very very complaining. Very complaining. Still are actually. And this is a mass market car without hmm. a display behind the steering wheel. Okay. Do you feel like at some point that was a mistake for what he wants to be? Like it's too much of a jump for for the. Not the first 400,000 Tesla fanatics, but for the next 10 million people that are like, where's my stuff in the front? of Like people who just aren't maybe don't really want that much of a leap of technology. Well, they may not, but that was the same thing for the Model S. You had to get into a car and do all these things off the center touchscreen, which was really distracting. Yeah. And, and it seems to be doing just fine. But I thought you were going to the back seats. Do the back seats fold? I've never seen the back seats folding down. So you can go to the Lowe's and the Home Depot and throw in a few boards of wood. Well, he did say you can throw in a seven-foot surfboard, so they must fold. They must, but I've never seen it. I want to see oh, that. Oh, it turns out we haven't seen a lot of the inside of the car, Robert. No, we haven't most... seen inside the trunk, really. No. Or the front, what if about there is one. July 28th, the uh, live event that's going on at Talking Tesla, where hopefully there will be a live stream event from Tesla itself. I expect there's going to be a plethora of videos that are going to hit YouTube and pictures on Reddit, etc., of the Model S as soon as this thing gets into employees' hands. Because wouldn't you want to be the first to show off your car? So tell me this. Answer me this. Squiggle me this. Talk to me about this. <laughs> <laughs> we got serial number one out. Yeah. On July 28th, mm -hmm. they're yes. going to do 30, the first 30. That was the So that mean between now yes. and July 30th, there well, is no more cars going to be coming out then, anywhere. They're going to build them, stick them in a back room, and then push them out the door when the first 30 employees or whoever get the first 30 cars. So we're not actually going to see any more cars on the road than serial number one plus the beta prototypes. Unless we see IRAs. Unless uh, we have some more tricks up sleeve, right? Because did we even expect, did we really expect a car in July? Yes. I, I was kind of feeling wistful, and yes, that's why I bet that way, but not <laughs> The rest of us in the room, and I believe that many others and many others did not believe that Elon was going to put anything out in July. In fact, he said this is a you know this is a goal just to get the suppliers online. So now we've got this trickle of cars that's going to come over the next few months. I'm really looking forward to seeing them out there and seeing all the details of them. But what really interests me is how quickly will they ramp up? And Elon gave these numbers mm -hmm. that this month, July, is going to be 30 cars. August is going to be 100 cars. And then it's not very many out, more. Then he no. left out uh, October and November. Well, then he said September it's going to go to 1,500. Mm -hmm. So we did August, this 100, 1,500. I'm just thinking about, you know, the supply chain. Mm -hmm. Do they have, like, how many seats do they have just sitting around right now waiting to go in cars? Like Right now? I'm just 30. a rhetorical question. And so how is this really? ramp up going to work <laughs> I've got and a, how quickly are we going to get to twenty thousand cars a month the, by december because that's what elon said wait, and now i believe him well, so does that mean <laughs> by december 31st they'll have reached twenty thousand cars in december which means the beginning of december they may only still be making a hundred a week or, so do you want to bet again is this where we're headed here no we still don't believe that he could re i'm also concerned that can they really do this just well, making one or 30 is one thing making twenty thousand is a big he difference. must have at this point looked at his supply chain right when he made these numbers of 20,000 in December, right, he must have looked at his supply chain and, and now feeling a lot more confident. He probably had 
he probably knows where the sticking points are. Okay. And has probably made uh, arrangements, as it were. And you saw you you know you talked about the warehouse, the secondary warehouse, right? right. So that is obviously a logistics point, probably for the storage of this stuff. So, so. the point of this little deviation that I've called oh, there's is, a point is. How will this affect the stock price? Because we've seen some incredibly wild swings in the stock price. I don't know. And we have so many people who are anti-Tesla, right? The Tesla killer's coming out. Another Tesla killer. The stock, the company's going to fold. All this BS about Tesla. But now, all of a sudden, Tesla has, bam, hit a target that nobody expected, or other than me. Uh, very few people expect it. Dude, don't hurt your elbow. (laughs) Patting yourself on the back. But the reality is very few people expected this, and the car looks great. I think Tesla's hitting it on all cylinders right now. Yeah. And so what's going to happen to the stock price? So let's talk about the stock price for a second. First of all, let's ask Google, hey, Google, what's Tesla's stock price? As of 11.34 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time today, Tesla shares are trading at $315.45 per share on NASDAQ, up 0.71% from last Friday. Wow. So it's up a little bit, but uh, is that like a $70 savings per share? But do you understand how the stock market works? You buy on the news yeah. and you sell on the event. Mm-hmm. Right? That's what people have been do- are doing, right? Like, So now it's happened. So it peaked. Tom looked this up. It peaked. Tesla stock price peaked at 386 and a bit of change, nearly 387. Yeah. That was its 52 week high. Yeah. And it's now down to 315. Yeah. So, Tom, do you buy it? Because I've got a number of stories here. Some saying this stock is going down to 180. Others saying uh, we've got a target set at 500 or 600 or $10 million. Mm-hmm. So, Thomas, I don't as know our stock answer. picker. I mean, I don't want to give people stock advice. It's, good. It's high, but it is. Again, is it is Tesla's future in this car or is Tesla's future in things like the Australian energy thing? We had a blackout over the weekend yes, in, in, our, fact. in our neighborhood. And I was thinking to myself, I would like a power thing at this very moment because it was hotter than a lot of hot things. Who sells a power thing? Uh, or, like a power wall well, the power kind of wall. a situation. <laughs> that would be good too. Or like a half a power pack. Uh, anything that could have possibly turned my air conditioner back on at that very moment. Wouldn't that be sweet? Because it was a very hot day and the power went out. And it went out for longer than it has ever gone out since I've lived in my house. How 97, long? A little more than an hour, hour and a half. Because there were in pictures. In my neighborhood. But Northridge was out. Yeah. Brentwood. And the Palisades, these are areas that are very affluent in Los Angeles, were without power. And people were flying drones above L.A. showing big, big swaths, like a million people without electricity. The entire West Valley was black. And the the roads were completely jammed, right? The traffic here is already bad. But imagine it's sun is going down. This is about the time of day that this happened. And the power goes out. The streetlights go out. There it was it was it looked like a zombie apocalypse yeah. that uh, Mel so found so out. so to get back to the question of the stock price right I believe in the long run the money the big big trillions of dollars in in revenue mm-hmm. for Tesla are not going to come from the car so much as they're going to come from the energy if they can continue 
to be the market leader in this, right? But that, I feel, is also a little bit more in question because there are a lot of people moving more lithium, a lot more uh, factories being built. But will Tesla's technology, which they are a technology company, will Tesla's technology win the day? Yeah. So you never know actually what you're investing in with Tesla because they could have a number of things up the sleeve that could be revolutionary. I don't know. This this is an exciting time, although I still feel uncomfortable uh, considering the purchase of Tesla stock over $300. Yeah, it just yeah. it's feels crazy. So on the first trading day of 2017, Tesla was trading at 216 When I bought uh, the three shares or whatever, the four shares, the equal equivalent to the down payment to the Model 3 at the time, I can't remember what it was. It was like 150 Yeah. I think when that... When that day happened, so, so you know, it's uh, going to fluctuate a lot. I, I don't know the answer to that question. It's just a, it, it's like, and at this point, it's not like you're investing in the company to keep it viable. That's not really the way the stock market works. If they had another uh, offering, then that would be you know a way for them to raise cash. But that's not what a normal stock trading is. I like to right. think of Tesla stock as Mister Toad's wild ride. If you enjoy a wild ride, yeah. uh, then uh, sure, buy away because this thing is speculative. And uh, we've said many times, if they hit it on all cylinders, Tesla is going to be the world's biggest company. And if they fail in a few areas, crashy, crashy, stocky, stocky, bye-bye. Right, but when I got here today, you uh, were talking about the solar roof, right? And they're having some production issues with that, right? So there are there are manufacturing issues when you are a manufacturing company, right? They're a technology company. They're a manufacturing company. They're trying to manufacture something that's never been manufactured before. They're trying to manufacture it at scale. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you this. If they can get the price of the Powerwall, I don't know, in half and still make $500 or whatever, make some amount of profit off the thing, I think they would move a ton of those in a lot of places. So let's uh, talk about that for a second here because um, I talked to Solar City. So here at the studio, we're going to put up some uh, solar panels and stuff. Yeah. So I uh, talked to the Solar City person and I said, look, I put my deposit down on a solar roof. And so I want to incorporate that into the energy production over here. And I want to get some um, power walls and stuff. He's like, uh, power walls, yep, no problem. We can uh, incorporate that into the uh, bid. Uh, but just so you know, there's no way you're going to get a solar roof in less than a year. And I'm like, what? But I put my thing down. He's like, well, this is unofficial, but the inside scoop is that they've got so many orders and so little production. You're not going to see anything until Buffalo is up and running at full speed, which is not going to be for another year. Buffalo soldier. So it's going to be sort of like the Model 3. You're going to get a trickle, trickle. at the beginning. Yep. And then once they get the Buffalo running, uh, that's a good Although like it was that. much quicker, the much quicker from announce to to production for the solar uh, roof mm-hmm. than it was for any of the cars. So, like right. that cars, obviously, there's a lot more parts. They they're relying on a lot more, uh, you know, suppliers from all over the place. This is just purely my guess is it's a technology. Like we're trying to figure out a do people want these things and b how can we really make something that we're going to put on someone's home protect their stuff. I think you're going to start to see a lot of news in the various uh, blogs and the newspapers pretty soon about, okay, so uh, can you show us just one? Just show us one installed solar roof because there has been no stories on it. And they said, yes, they're going to be up and running and making them. And then I talked to the Solar City guy and he's like, you're dreaming. I think uh, there will soon be pressure to say, where exactly is the first one? Maybe, Maybe Elon is going to give solar roof one 
to Ira Aaron Price <laughs> as a payback. That'd be lovely for his uh, giving him serial number no, I, one. I, I, I think Elon's thing. happy the fact that Aaron's getting bed number two. Uh, let's talk about the Lotus electric car. Go, Lotus, among many other car manufacturers, are finally flipping. They are going to produce electric cars. I've got here. This actually, this is not a production car. This is a conversion car. This was the point of this story: is that there are lots of Teslas that have been made. Uh, Model S's and some Model X's in in the mix that have ended up in the scrapyard or have ended up being parted out because they were crashed and the materials have been sitting around for a long time. Battery packs, people have been tearing down battery packs for, I don't know, two years now at least, which is kind of an expensive uh, ordeal if you think about it. Nobody's going to take a brand new $100,000 car and rip it apart and pull out the battery unless, of course, you're somebody like another car manufacturer who wants to, you know, figure out all the details. But that doesn't end up so much on the YouTube. But there's lots of people who've been pulling these things apart, pulling parts off Tesla, because Tesla's been able to do things with both batteries, electronics, and uh, switches and computers and motors that other car manufacturers have not been able to do with reliability. And so now all of these, like, extra parts have been floating about, being kept by people, and the technology, the street technology, figuring out how did Tesla do it? How can we modify this? How can we take a battery and a drive motor and put it in another car and make it work really well? This is starting to happen a lot. If you look on YouTube, and I was I was uh, alerted to this by Eric, that there are a lot of new people posting uh, cars, VW vans, all kinds of really interesting old vehicles repurposed for electric propulsion using Tesla technology. And this one is a pretty fast, pretty wicked looking little Lotus. Now, is that the same car, basically, that the um, Roadster is? Is it the same kind of Lotus? It's a different Lotus. Yeah. It was the Elise that Lotus uh, stretched to accommodate the battery for the Roadster, uh, Tesla Roadster. But this little new Lotus is only going to get about 120 miles on the range area. Is that right? It's got a Tesla drive unit and a Chevy Volt battery pack, this particular Mm -hmm. one. And they have a lot of video of them driving around. It is super duper loud inside. It still has like a like a push button start at the end of a wire and a push button reverse. This particular one had no power steering, but it was moving. It was moving yeah. pretty pretty quickly. I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff. There's a lot of groups that are putting together uh, cars of various types, modifying them. And so this reminds me of the days when I was a teenager and people would, you know, mess with carburetors and bore out V8 engines to make them bigger displacement, to make them go faster. And it's like this whole do it, not do it yourself. It's sort of like auto tinkering movement that's shifting from tinkering with cars that are propelled by, you know, gasoline to cars that are propelled by electricity. And I think this is a really cool burgeoning uh, world. How many teenagers will now, instead of messing around with, I don't know, Chevy Camaro, start messing around with electric propulsion? Have you met any teenagers? They don't do 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> Just like every generation before them, we believe the generation after us is lazy. Actually, my son and I have an electric skateboard. I don't think they're lazy. And, uh, is we this are the going... one you took to the beach once? Yeah, I thought I could make this electric skateboard drive on the beach. <laughs> it didn't work. Tom told me it was never going to work, and it was right. So we're taking it apart, That's putting on bigger like wheels. trivia, because that was like, I don't know, 100 shows ago? Oh, it was so long ago. But uh, I've got another article here from CNET, which is about Volkswagen, which I read with such excitement. It says, Volkswagen wants robots to help you charge your electric car and I'm all excited. I'm like, wow, a robot. How's that going to work? So Volkswagen has this great idea, like robots. Robots. Project is Smart E, <laughs> E-Smart, I'm sorry, Connect, which basically is a robot that plugs your car in. And I'm like, hang on. Wah, wah, wah. Isn't that just the Elon snakey snake? I was all excited, like a robot's going to pick my car up and do great things. And it's going to be, it's basically just you park your car and a robot says, oh, I got it from here. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I'll since, just plug it in for I've since seen another version, uh, I think it was from Tesla, using a Kukla robot yeah. that does the same thing, plugs the car in. And that, can, you know, it's a little more uh, feasible. You would imagine that the Kukla robot with all the different uh, joints could adjust for a 3, an X, an S, a Roadster, whatever. It could change the angle. It could adapt to where you don't park in the right position. But uh, Volkswagen, big news. I'm so underexcited. But before uh, the naysayers say, like, <laughs> really, this is what humans need is somebody to now plug in their car for them. Mm-hmm. This is more, I think, about with full autonomy, the car going off to charge itself, the robot plugging itself in, the car coming back to you. It's not really a big advancement if it's just me not having to get out of the car and plug in. It's about, you know, driving across the country and the snakies and the robots making it happen for me. What if this is incorporated into a car wash? So you, you drive your car up to the car wash, and the car both gets plugged in and charged and washed. And by the time you're done with the car wash, you're charged up. What a idea that is, huh? I was also thinking that maybe you want oh, robots. an idea, all right. I, I like that. But I was thinking, like, <laughs> when they have 1,000 kilowatt charging or these huge uh-huh. electricity maybe a human doesn't want to plug that in just right. in case. Yeah, just in case they're, they're, they're there's a little spark. Pacemaker stops working. Where's daddy gone? Or their insulin pump goes haywire. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's probably better, and you're, you're absolutely right. And then you can sit in your car. You drive up to a, quote, charging station. It plugs you in, and then either the screen in your car comes alive with Wi-Fi from the charging station with, of course, lots of content, i.e. advertising, um. or... A screen pops down in front of you and you can watch, you know, the news, something useful. Hey, before we get really to nothing? the... Really, na- nothing? Daddy just died and nobody no, makes a comment? I mean, <laughs> Daddy I got a thousand volts on Daddy got vaporized. Nobody cares about Well, I say good on Volkswagen. Let them work. You know, this is part of the plan. Elon, not only making an electric car, or I should say Tesla and the whole Tesla family, not only making a great electric car or two or three or four, but... Pushing five. everyone else. Well, five, we're not at or five six. yet. We're not at Y or yet. seven. We're not at the new roadster. We're not at the pickup <laughs> truck. We're not at the semi. But pushing <sighs> everyone else forward. And here's Volkswagen. Second in line. Second in line, at least. And maybe they'll have an operational robot plug-in device. Volkswagen's second in line, you To say? make a robot plug-in oh, device. Oh, make a robot plug-in yeah. device. Not maybe, in the EV vehicle situation. Maybe they'll right? actually get it out there. Well, see, we have another Maybe. article here with Volkswagen saying, you know, uh, we've got big dreams now. The first EV is coming in when? 2020. <laughs> um, and France has said that we're going to have zero gas cars by 2040. And uh, Volkswagen's like, we're going fully EV 
Uh, Volvo has said the same thing. In fact, Volvo has said that by 2019, they're not going to make a car that doesn't have at least some form of electric motor, hybrid, fully electric. So everybody's moving along. And I believe this is true, that Tesla has moved this a decade ahead because of their success. And this is good. And we know that we need to have the building capacity of these other people. We need Volvo to do it. We need Volkswagen to do it. You may not like them. But uh, it's really important that they get on board because... Why do you not like them? I would like them. I don't like uh, Volkswagen because they lied to us about their diesels. I don't like this article. Well, why not, Tom? Because this is... Okay, this is from the Sydney Morning Herald. And basically, it's a guy from Volkswagen saying, we can stop Tesla. Like, why is that the position of, of a company like Volkswagen? Why does it have to be, we can stop Tesla as opposed to... Uh, we honor what Tesla has done, and we would like to be a part of it and build on it. Why is it that like Volkswagen's goal is to put out so many cars that they they drive the biggest innovator in electric vehicles out of the marketplace? W- why is that the default? Why does the competition have to be to be like that? I because he's that, a capitalist pig. I believe that competition is great. Has to and do so, it. But this guy from Volkswagen, he's basically saying we want Tesla to fail and thousands of uh, people to lose their jobs. Yeah. I wouldn't take this with too much. I mean, yes, people who have companies want to beat the other companies and make more money because that's the way it works. It does come across as a bit uh, not nice. Instead of just saying we really want to right. dominate, we want to right. do very well, we want to be better than everybody else. We it's want like to we be crush them and have we, them go away. We believe in this technology. We believe that this is the future of transportation. We at Volkswagen want to be a big player in that future. How about we want to drive it even further? We want to make it even better. Are you going to be the uh, PR people, the script writers for uh, Volkswagen from now on? I mean, because I they need I, a little bit of. I wouldn't uh, help. be very happy if I was Volkswagen and I and I saw this, right? But yeah, however, well. Volkswagen does make more cars in two days. Thank you. Over all of its brands than Tesla sold in all of 2016. That uh, puts it in a little perspective. They have what we would call. A production capacity. <laughs> they do. And they also have a whole cadre of engineers that they could just kind of divert. Okay, don't don't continue to try and develop the diesel engine because we know it doesn't work because we had to cheat to make it, quote, work. Now let's do some electric engineering and electric car uh, design. So Autocar has this thing about Volvo, which we were talking about, that they're going fully electric in their drivetrains, at least in part. This is Bing. They're not going. F- okay, let's be very, very specific. There is at at 2019, all of their cars they say will have at least some form of electric motor, like Thank I'm you. saying, like a hybrid, mm-hmm. uh, fully right. electric, uh, extended range electric. It doesn't mean that they're getting rid of all gas portions of their car, but right. I still think that that's important. It is. It's very important. But I wanted you to because it sounded like when you said it, it's, full electric. No, not full electric. Right. right, and that's really important because this has been picked up all across the press the blogosphere, and that this is a big move. Volvo is a very well-thought-of company. I think one of us in this room has had a Volvo before. Several. Yeah. And so for an announcement to come from such a heavy player like this, it's huge. And they also say that they're going to have climate-neutral manufacturing operations by 2025, which is not an insignificant thing if they really pull it off. Is Volvo a Chinese company, though? Were they Volvo bought by a Chinese been, company? They were Swedish. They were then bought by Ford. They were then 
bought by a Chinese company. I don't know specifically where they are now, but most let's most car companies are international. Volvo makes cars in the states. Volvo builds cars in China because China is a big car market, and Volvo build, uh, builds cars in Sweden still, and probably in other places. Would be my guess as well. And they probably get uh, supply from all over the world. This is a global economy. Car companies are global if they want to succeed. That's just where we're at with that particular thing. And so Volvo, as part of this announcement, confirmed it will launch five fully electric cars between 2019 and 2021, which is not that far from now. Right. Three of which will be Volvo models and two will be part of its high-performance electric cars from another company within Volvo called Polestar. And these models are all going to be – they're going to be all new, not derived from existing platforms or existing models. So that's kind of an exciting thing to really think about. And again, they're a big company like Volkswagen. They have the engineering capacity to potentially pull this off, and they say they're going to have cars available with a range of up to 310 miles. Now, let me ask Google, hey, Google, how many cars does Volvo make per year? AB Volvo latest models, 2017 Volvo S60, 2017 Volvo XC90, 2017 hey, Volvo... Shut up. Okay, I don't know how many cars that <laughs> Volvo makes. I just needed to know. I'll look at it. Um, so let's go and talk about incentives for plug-in hybrids, and this is from Plug-in Cars, and it's Robert's article. Go. Oh, okay. Incentives for plug-in cars. So there's been some movement on the incentive front. I know that uh, in Oregon, they're now going to provide a $2,500 rebate for electric cars, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Oregon later in the show. And here in California, there's a push to, and I think we talked about it either last week or the week before, for $3 billion to go forward to promote electric vehicles. And I think the biggest news is that there's a bill in the California Assembly that, uh, and I can't remember the name of the legislator, but it's to uh, change the, the structure of the California rebate so that you don't go buy the car and incur, you know, a car payment based on the total price of the car. You actually get your $2,500 rebate, which would have come months later, right there at the time you're buying the car. And what this does is it really helps to lower your monthly payment, which will enable a lot more people to get into an electric vehicle. And uh, this article uh, from PluginCars.com talks about a much larger uh, rebate, up to $7,500. And uh, it includes lots of different states uh, that talk about Canadian provinces with rebates there. You know, the question is, do electric cars need rebates? And I still think... Uh, that some sort of price assistance is necessary because of the upfront cost of the battery. But the reality is if you look at it down the long term, if you own a car for, let's say, three years or five years, if you're kind of a conservative person and you treat your car nicely and you take care of it, the savings that you're going to enjoy are all the way down the road because you're going to pay so much less for maintenance. You're not going to have to change your brakes as much. You're going to spend a lot less money, like maybe a third on the fuel for the car so that really you save the money, but people don't see that up in the very front or they may not be able to afford it up front. So these rebates really help in two ways. One, get people into the cars. And once the people get into the cars, they see how much money they're saving and the effort to go to the gas station all the time. They just plug in in the house. It makes it so much better because then EV love is spread. 
Now, these incentives, I see in both ways. I like the idea of sort of speeding things up, as Elon said. It doesn't really change things over the long term. It just sort of speed things up at the beginning. But it really makes me a little anxious uh, when you see what happens when these incentives go away. We've seen this just most recently in Hong Kong yeah. where they really reduced the incentives. Yeah, like there were no cars sold. No Tesla sold in last April. month or in April. Yeah, yeah, it's like thousands were sold the month before. The EV right. incentives, which were ridiculously huge, right. go away, and then they sell zero. So it makes me a little anxious, and we all know we've got to get the price of these cars. If we can get them equivalent, which is happening pretty fast and hopefully in the next few years, equivalent to a gas car, then I think it's all bets are off. But uh, or, or until if, then, a little incentive is nice, but I don't like relying on them. Or if we, you know, even if they don't get down to the price of a gas car, at some price above the level of a gas car, they will be equivalent because of the savings that come as you own the car. But people will not see that, and they, that will really not likely affect people's decision process until we change our paradigm. I, I, I agree, but I also feel like there's a lot of other things at play, right? There's the charging infrastructure. People are just not made aware of that, and it True. doesn't exist, right? Like, it, it's it's not there yet. It's It's there, but it's not there. Right. On a lot of levels, and and then people hear the they hear the worst, right? You hear the worst stories, right? You hear the stories of the leaf battery uh, degrading super quickly, and a seven thousand dollar battery replacement cost, right? And that is bigger. That's like I need a new motor for my car. When most people need a new engine for their car, boom, that car is out of there, and that happens to leafs that are not that 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 old, right? Yeah. So that's a thing that's happened. So and you hear about that, and until people are sort of comfortable that the technology is is enhanced enough to to be able to put their singular transportation dollar towards these vehicles and know they have a place they can charge them it works for them they can drive it for all their uses that is going to be the thing that keeps it from the mass 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 market. That's why I believe the Model 3 is not just a big deal for Tesla, it's a big deal for electric cars. Because there's so much spotlight on this car. If they pull it off, if people love it, if it doesn't fall apart, if it's not breaking little bits and pieces like the doors and stuff don't open, which we had issues with all of the other Teslas, if they do it right and people aren't lined up for hours at superchargers, then it'll go great. But if those things fail, if there is build quality problems, or if you see on the nightly news, here is um, the Tesla supercharger, and uh, there's people waiting for two hours pissed off because they can't charge up their Model 3, that is going to be a big problem. And that's my biggest concern is actually the charging, not the car. I think they'll probably get the manufacturing down well enough. But if there are pictures of superchargers and two-hour waits, people are going to be like, see? Not ready for electric cars. Right, but the nice thing about all these stories that we hear about Volvo and we hear about Volkswagen is that now it feels like there are other big players in the market. Like we haven't really heard these kinds of announcements from Ford, unfortunately, yet. But I feel like th- there's this sort of building momentum about all of this stuff. It's like we bailed out of climate change, but California and the rest of it, we like we're still going to move forward with a lot of that stuff, you know, on an individual level, right? So this stuff, even if Tesla fails, and I don't think it's going to fail, even if they do, there are other companies that feel like they have momentum. Hopefully they wouldn't be like, oh, well, they failed. We're out of here. You know, like they, it feels like something that's that's happening yeah i mean there are stories after stories after stories that say that uh gasoline powered cars are dead they are not the future 
They are going away. And there's entire countries saying that we're not going to allow the sale of uh, gasoline-powered cars in the future beyond a certain date. I think, you know, we've tipped the scale. We're still not fully adopted, but we've tipped the scale. And these are exciting times. Sacramento B has an article here talking about uh, tipping the scale. So California tends to lead with this stuff, and then it spreads from the West Coast across the country, that 5% of new car sales in California were zero emission compared to 1.1% nationwide right so we get we we try to not be like california centric obviously the three of us are are, we we live here yeah on this show show. right we live here i was born in in california my mother was born in california so like that's this is the state that i live in and i love uh, i love this state and and because we're leading the way a lot of these stories comes come out of california and as you can see five percent of new car sales in california were zero emission compared to one percent nationwide i don't think it is because of the incentives i think it's just because of the lifestyle that we have here and uh well i mean the additional incentives because like we said in the last article 23 states and the district of columbia have some incentives true ontario british columbia also have we also have the social factor where you look that much more cool if you're driving an electric car i don't know i try not to play into that that cool factor game yeah i don't think it's because i don't think people thought the may not i don't think anybody thought that mel's leaf was cool but I think what oh, I happens do. is um, you start to drive electric cars and it becomes this cascade and people see it. And, oh, that's cool. Yes. And then they, you, you drive them around. Right. Like, oh, and this, they see you The cascade now. starts to occur. You, you're kind of a trendsetter and kind the, of guy. And, they make, and they make offers like you can get into the HOV vehicle lanes, which is yes. a big deal, right? So, Huge. like, again, that's a money saver because it's a time saver, yes. right? It, as long as that. And that's set to expire in 2019. I don't know if you guys They'll knew renew that. It. They'll renew it. it. They keep there, renewing There is it. a bill that says it'll be extended to 25. But if you go to the Sacramento Bee article, and this was the most interesting part of this article for me, I read the comment section. Yes. And almost nine to one, it was anti-rebates, anti-government subsidies. Like people in who read the Sacramento Bee, those people are not on or board. <laughs> at least the fifteen people who bother to respond sure, to all these right, things. Right, but I just you know you can only go by sort of the group mentality, and that's what you see when you read the comments. How yeah. fast do you think you can drive across the United States? You, it's going to take me. Uh, I'm going to. I know exactly how fast I could do it. It's going to take me about five years. By the time. Five years. If I you follow, it. if you follow the eclipse, though, mm. it should only take you like I don't know forty five minutes. If you follow. The eclipse that would be diagonally from north yeah. to south. But you would drive, go fast. You'd drive fast <laughs> and in the dark. You would be beat dangerous. this record. So I put this in here. It's from. Wait for it. <laughs> and it was about um, this cannonball run. So an electric car driven by Jordan Hart and Brady D'Souza beat Alex uh, Roy's and friends 55 hour run across the country. So the United States is like three, 4,000 miles across. They did uh, it in 51 hours, 47 minutes. They did it in an 85 Tesla, so they had to charge more than if you had a 100D, for example. But uh, this is the Cannonball Run, and I bring it up because, first of all, the Cannonball Run was a great movie from the 70s with Burt Reynolds. It was. It was. It was a movie from the 70s, I remember yes. it fondly. It was, it was classic. It was classic. It was probably terrible. I haven't seen it in 35, <laughs> 40 years, but that's Not fine. quite as good as Caddyshack. It wasn't but... a great movie. It was a movie. But second of all, I was thinking, I put this under the autonomous driving section because yeah. you know that they used a lot of autonomous driving. I'm sure they did. When Do they you did know this that? 50, I'm sure they surely, I'm sure they surely, did. Surely, surely. Because in Cannibal Run, though, you're right, they were really running away from uh, the police and uh, mm-hmm. taking beer and stuff. But you know, that but doesn't, I think they used that doesn't work when you're in an electric car. I've done now a half 
country cross trip back and forth, right, to Boulder and back. And I can tell you that if you're trying to get the quickest route, and I sat in the passenger seat and we calculated this and we went up and down it. If you're going from supercharger to supercharger, your goal is to end up at the supercharger with as little little mileage on your car as possible because it charges fastest Mm -hmm. from whatever, 10%, 20% up. So then you would leave the supercharger so that when you get to the next supercharger, you're again very low, but you have to make sure that you take into account things like elevation gain and wind and such. It does not do you any good to drive really fast because at that time, when you get to the next supercharger, you're just going to have to charge longer and it's going to take you the same amount of time. So uh, one of us in the car would drive at 90 miles an hour to get to the next supercharger. That'd and then be Robert. I didn't say. <laughs> we assumed. You, Go you, on. Yeah. You know what happens when you assume? And so yes. get to the next supercharger. You just have to charge an extra 10, 15 minutes to do the same thing. And it turns out that it does not buy you a significant amount of time to speed in an electric car. So I'm sure they used autopilot. They just set it at a good rate. I don't know, 67, 72, something like that, and let the car do its thing. Yeah, I always think about that. Probably some math genius out there listening to Talking Tesla can do that modeling. If you do the modeling of what is the perfect speed to drive versus recharging, um, because I thought the same thing. If I drive too fast, I'll use too much. But if I drive too slow... I don't know what the number is, but I'm guessing it's 65, 70. This is not a speed thing, right? Because we're in an electric car. This is a logistics accomplishment. But I also wanted to bring up something else about autonomous driving, which is over the weekend, I got to drive the wife's X, which has hardware one. Yes. And I used a lot of autonomous driving, and it is silky smooth. I mean, that thing is getting so good. Mobile eye. Um, And then I drove my car, which has hardware two. How's that going? And it is still, the wavy lines are much better, but it is still a drunken teenager a lot of the time. Did you get the update? I got an update to 17.17, but not the 4.7, which is supposedly the smoothness. Have you got the smoothness update? I've gotten a recent update. I was going to look to see. I guess there's been like three recent updates. I've only gotten one, but it seems like it actually skipped through. So now I have 17.26.76. That's not the latest, latest, the smoothest one. I hope not because it is not better. In in a few instances, it felt better. And I've been watching this very closely over the last 100 or 150 miles because I drove a lot this weekend. But it did some things that really upset me. And yesterday, just driving home with my son, whoa, it was, I was going through, you know, I use it on the streets as well, watching it very carefully. And at one point in an intersection, it sort of jerked left. And what I was looking at in front of me was a pickup truck, the front end of a pickup truck, because he was in the left turn lane. The car corrected, but not silky smooth. No, no. Burlap. It's burlap. Yeah, it's uh, even hardware one in the X, I got to say, it's really smooth. It sees motorcycles and renders motorcycles and stuff, so it's really got some improvements. But it still doesn't do that thing which freaks me out the most, is I can see the freeway traffic up ahead is stopped or is slowed right down. And the car takes much longer than I would like for it to slow down. It's not like, it's like a 16-year-old. It's like, drive fast, fast, fast. Oh, I better slow down fast. I wish it was better at looking further ahead, which I'm hoping Hardware 2.0 will be better at once it's all fully engaged. Yeah, and it should engage, yeah, right, engage like eight cameras. But, you know, I think Tesla automated driving, you know, group of engineers, 
they they need to keep working hard. But so I have a question then. Go. Tom. Would you recommend somebody buy a car with original autopilot? Uh, right versus now, versus yes. what? Versus versus hardware. waiting. Like um, so, let's say right now you could buy a Model S for sixty thousand, and I don't know this, you know, for sixty five thousand dollars that has original autopilot. I would say it's great. It's great for what it's uh, useful for, which is on the freeway, well marked, in traffic, or at speed. It's great for keeping you um, in the lanes. I would say it's a couple notches below great, but it's still good. It's good. All yes. right? It's good. I find it quite useful, and it, you can get a little bit distracted, and you feel like somebody's got your back. Yes. But uh, it's a question of the delta. What's the delta? Right now, it's way better still than most people's hardware 2.0. We'll see in a few months. But I think if you've got a choice between no, hard, no hardware 1.0 and hardware 1.0, it's definitely worth some delta of cash. Or you haven't put down any money on the Model 3 right now, so you're not on the reservation list. Are you talking about, should I buy a hardware 2 Tesla, or should I buy a Hardware One Tesla? Because sure. Hardware One has Mobileye, and it is much, much more capable of an automatic pilot. I think it depends on when will Hardware Two see its full functionality, and if that really does happen in November or December, which is what Elon has talked about, then I would go for Hardware Two. But don't expect it to be as nice as Hardware One. I don't feel like I'm going to flip my car to a hardware one because I do so many miles. I mean, I've already got over almost 7,000 miles and I just had got my car, whatever, March 31st. So uh, I'm not, I'm not interested in flipping for hardware one. I have faith that Tesla's going to put this together. I do disagree with those articles that you're reading now that hardware two is now equivalent to hardware one in terms of maybe yeah. with this new software, upgrade, but, but I find that uh, it's not yet for me and I don't have the latest one, which I think is 17.4 something. And you've got Point two, and I've got around. Right. It's still not as smooth. Um, let's talk about the official Tesla announcement when it comes to the largest battery installation ever. So this is from The Verge, and actually from Tesla's blog. This is so cool. So let's go back and let me give you a bit of history here. So Tesla Energy is about to install this giant um, battery thing in South Australia, and they're going to do it in a hundred days, or they're going to a forfeit fifty million dollars. So how did this? happen. So South Australia is this uh, big state down there in the south of Australia, strangely enough. They had a big stormy storm. (laughs) Properly named. Yes, properly named. They had a big stormy storm which knocked out this big interconnect with another state in Victoria. So they had this huge power outage and some ongoing problems after that. A lot of people in Australia are saying, see, we told you renewables suck. This is all a renewable problem. But the Premier of South Australia says, no, no, it wasn't that. It was just sort of a one in a, a million chance that all this happened at the same time. And But they really need to have some buffering to fix this problem. They have a lot of wind energy, but no good way to store it for peak time. So Elon said, I could solve this problem for you after looking at it. I could solve this problem for you real quick. And this other billionaire in Australia, Mike Cannon-Brooks, says, how serious are you about that uh, bet where you could just say you could fix it? And Elon tweets back to him, and this was months ago, look, I could fix it in 100 days from contract signing and we'll be up and running, or I tell you what, it's free. $50 billion installation. We do it in 100 days from the time they sign the contract. 
to this thing 50 working. 50 million, not billion. 50 million, sorry, not billion. So South Australian government just took him up on this. They put it out a tender. 90 people tried to get this uh, contract. They gave it to Tesla. 90 companies. And it says this, upon completion by December 2017, the statement goes, this system will be the largest lithium-ion storage battery project in the world and will provide enough power for over 30,000 homes, approximately equal to all of the homes that were lost during the out- that blackout period. And uh, the next biggest battery installation of its kind is about 30 uh, megawatts. So how long will this system last? That's what I want to know. Like, So let's say this thing cycling. goes up 30,000 houses for how long if it's nighttime and they're not able – they're not they don't have another way to recharge them. Um, we believe that these are going to be 20-year installs. Um, the, no, but like cycling. how many hours will it last? Like 10 oh, hours, oh, 8 hours, 5 hours? Do we know the – do we have an idea? I don't like, know the numbers on that. It's a good point. Really what this is is a peaker plant. So uh, right. they're using it for when people come home and they turn on the lights and all the stuff mm-hmm. and the wind may not be all the way up right. because that tends to blow at night there. So it's to sort of get them over that evening peak period. I don't think it's supposed to last for days and days. Okay. It couldn't possibly. It's just enough to get them through the peak periods so in the evenings. So it's a pretty windy place. We can depend on – wind happening much of the time. Yeah, it's windy in the evenings and sunny during the day, and this is to just get them through that peaks. But I don't know exactly if no wind, nothing, how long it would last. Probably about four hours. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. But that's still pretty good. I mean, and Australia is really homes, ramping hours. up in terms of just the private use of uh, Tesla batteries and stuff because energy there has been pretty expensive. Yeah. There's been a big fight between the solar people who put it on their homes and the energy producers. So Australia is a place where a lot of people are saying, I want to get off grid because I'm pissed. So uh, let's continue to go on then, and let's talk about Joe Hockey since we're talking about Australia. Now, Joe Hockey is the— Joe uh, Hockey. I thought his name was fake when I first read this. Do you think it's like his screen name? (laughs) He's actually a former treasurer of parliament. He's been around in Australian politics for a long time. He's a pretty right-wing guy. He's now the current ambassador of Australia to the U.S. Yay. And he was going on about how uh, these wind turbines are ugly and climate research should be slashed. And I just wanted to bring this up so that people— Outside the U.S., uh, realize that, well, at least people in the U.S., we tend to sort of give the current uh, administration a hard time about being regressive. But there's plenty of other regressive politicians in the world. When I see wind turbines, I have the exact opposite effect. I'm driving down the road and I see wind turbines on hills. I have the same, I have the opposite thing. I'm like, that is beautiful because that's green. When I see solar panels on people's houses, a lot of people say, oh, that looks ugly. I have the exact opposite effect. I have this deep emotional limbic system. Oh, my gosh, clean energy. That's so nice. So uh, I just wanted to bring it up that some people don't like the way these look. I think they're beautiful. Yeah, well, if you have like $6 million in your investment portfolio invested in oil-producing companies and oil-supplying companies, like supplying drill bits and stuff, then you see a windmill and you think, oh. Rick Perry touts renewable energy and what I wanted to do with this article, because it wasn't actually what I thought it was about, is just to go through some of the history of solar energy. And here's uh, some quick stats. In 1958, Vanguard One was a satellite that uh, the U.S. put up there, and it had the most extreme solar technology at the time. It had a 9% efficient solar array. It was the Vanguard, as it were. It was the Vanguard. Then you had the 1970 oils crisis, and today solar panels efficiency on people's roofs here down on the planet which is much less efficient than up there and then the spaces, Interesting. is over 20%. And in 
And I've read, although I can't remember the exact number, mm-hmm. that uh, space-deployed solar arrays now, the really expensive ones, are over 40 45% efficient. Right. So like they've gone up some a lot. Those. I need a space array. Yeah, but they my, cost a huge amount of money. That's cool. Um, I'll buy it for me for my birthday. There's a lot of other stats here that I got from Wikipedia, but I'm going to just jump to 2016. First, solar says that it has a 22% efficient solar array now, which uses a lot of cadmium and other stuff. So we've come a long way from those early days. Let's talk about superchargers. Superchargers. I was going to say, there was some cool stuff in here about the White House and the White House putting solar up in the Carter administration and then Reagan took it down because he thought it was a joke, and they put it up again. Where do you guys think the original solar heating system that was on the White House, where do you think it is now? It's on the Supreme Court. (laughs) Um, So first of all, it wasn't a solar electric. It was a solar water heater, right? That's right. Uh, So it's on Barack Obama's new house in Washington. No, actually, they did have two electric panels, but they didn't last very long. But it's actually in Maine. It still exists, and it's it in It still Maine? exists. It's at Unity College in Maine. They installed it in the cafeteria. It's still heating water today I'm gonna go get from some, 1970s. I'm going to go get some tea. That's amazing. It's still, why did they do that? Why was it just because it was a fun project? Or I don't know. I mean, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, like, now I'm interested when I go to Maine in checking this out. Yeah, me too. Get some because hot, of a geek. Get some hot tea from the tea White from, House. From Jimmy Carter. Can you imagine my hands? where we would be as a nation if people had really, during that oil crisis in the late 70s, people had just been like, you know what, screw it. Let's adopt uh, solar panels. How much farther? Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, NASA could have spent, what, the last 50 years working on solar? I mean, this is... We could yeah. be on our third or fourth generation of, like, mm. replacing panels. Yeah, we could be we so could much be further forward. Talking about something other than global climate change, we could be, like, having already solved, like, human trafficking. You know, uh, the thing that is uh, disturbing here, or at least the thing now I accept, is that when gas prices go down, people just buy big cars and don't care anymore. We really are a species that go paycheck to paycheck. So what we really need is for the price of renewables to truly be less than the price of fossil fuels. And I think we're getting there. The last piece we've talked about a lot is storage. If we can get the storage plus the generation down less than uh, fossil fuels, I think we'll finally be there. We seem to be on that tipping point. We're getting close. I think the other part of it is that people who buy electric vehicles need to understand and be willing to pay to have their vehicles charged. Right. So Mm -hmm. the other day and this, you know, this is a little bit of a a non sequitur, but I was talking to Katie who got a bolt recently and we were like, where is the closest CCS to where she works? And and it turns out it's right around the corner and it's run by EVgo and they charge if you don't have if you're not charging regularly for the CCS charging, they have half hour limit and they charge four ninety five a session plus 20 cents a minute. Right, so in a half hour, she could probably get about ninety miles on her on her vehicle, right? right. Ninety miles of range on her vehicle, but that's going to cost her about eleven bucks, right? And in her head, she's like, it, "It it doesn't feel like 
it feels like once you buy the electric vehicle, you don't want to buy the fuel, which is the electricity anymore. And that's sort of been a Tesla kind of thing because of free supercharging. But they built that into the price of the car, which is what a lot of people don't really understand about it. So until that part of it also kind of changes, that, that it's going to be more and more difficult. I don't think a lot wow. of people have it, but I yeah. don't think everybody has it. But I think a lot of people have that. There's plenty of places. I went to uh, the Century City Mall yesterday and uh, there are a bank of electric chargers. Again, you have to pay. If you don't have to pay for the actual parking in the garage, I still think that it's something like a dollar a kilowatt hour, which is kind of crazy because it really only costs about 14 cents. Yeah, it's pricey. So it's kind of usury. But they're building the infrastructure, right? It's not. You see, that's the thing. It's not usury. They're building this infrastructure. You have to buy the outlet, the electricity. You have to install it. And you know you're not going to have that many people going through as opposed to a gas station, right, who buys has to buy the pump. But they know that pump's going to get used 200 times a day or 100 times a day at X amount of gallons per, right? This is where Tesla worked it out. And is the most successful because you don't even have to think about it with Tesla. You just drive up. There's a supercharger. They're very reliable. Mm -hmm. And this week we have nine new superchargers. But it's not even just superchargers, right? It's destination chargers. It's it's a whole whole charging infrastructure of freeness, Mm -hmm. right, which is – which is what I'm talking about being sort of the issue, I, right? I agree with you. There's a Before we do the supercharger thing, there is a psychological barrier which you see, and it is fascinating. Once you buy an electric car, you know the fuel is so cheap, you want it to stay cheap, so you do it at home, or you try and find a free supercharger. And you see people who are, frankly, worth often millions of dollars, and they buy an electric car, and yet it's like pulling teeth to get them to pay anything to charge that car, even though they could buy six more of them, there's this game that happens in your head. You're like, and now I want to drive everywhere for free. Right. So we have to do have to get over that. But I do get a little bit worried about some of these private for-profit charging companies. They are charging too much even despite having to build out the infrastructure. It just seems like they are making it almost as much as gas. And that's not, that's not cool. And Make it some, cheaper than gas, a in, lot cheaper. In some places, it's more expensive than gas. But I think what they're betting on is the price of electric cars reaches parity with gasoline cars. And then people won't feel so bad, right? I walk into the, I, I drive into the gas station with my BMW and it costs me $45 to fill up. So I drive in with my electric BMW and it costs me $45 to fill up. What's the difference? It's the same, but that switch is not happening quick. This is a, it's like kind of a slow burn-in period. This is going to be like a 10 to 15-year period for the majority of people to drive electric cars. And at the moment, that doesn't work. That kind of a system doesn't work. And, and I feel kind of a little bit uneasy that these companies who are building out these electric charging infrastructures are either going out of business or being swallowed up by someone else. Right? I think it was General Motors had their own system built up in the north in the in the Midwest, the North Midwest, and they sold it off to I think it was ChargePoint and Blink went out of business. I think it was Blink and they got bought up by I think it might have been EVgo. I don't remember the details, but bottom line is is this paradigm of paying a bunch of money to charge an electric car is just not working except for Tesla owners. So let's talk about superchargers because we need more superchargers now. You've made me more anxious. The only people who are going to build out an infrastructure is Tesla, so they better hurry up. Let's go. How many have they got? We have nine new superchargers, so four in the United States, three in Europe, and two in Asia. And there's a new supercharger, get this, in 
Truth or Consequences, New Mexico. Is that a real place? That is a real place. It, yes, Mel. Normally, it's actually referred to in New Mexico as T or C. That's a funny name. Now, it's a spa town. They've got like 10 spas there. It's kind of hot in the summer, but in the summertime, if you look, like in this time of the year, the average daily temperature is like 110, but at night, it's like 65. So at night, you might actually enjoy a little dip in the hot natural mineral spa. They had as many as 40 spas there before World War II. And do you know why it was called Truth or Consequences? No, I do not. All right, gentlemen, I did a little research. Oh, good. Originally, it was called Hot Springs, New Mexico. Much better name. Well, it tells you what's going on, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. But evidently, some of the people there, some of the folks, were very big fans in the 50s and 60s of the show, the Truth television show, Truth or Consequences. It was a good show. Yes. Remember how the show worked? No, but it was a good show. It was a good show. And so it was a very popular radio program to begin with, and in 1950... Or thereabouts, the town changed its name to Truth or Consequences. And at the time, the show's star, Ralph Edwards, decided he was going to do the 10th anniversary show from the town that renamed itself Truth or Consequences. How's that for notoriety? That's amazing. He then bought a house there. He visited there every year. They have like a festival every year. It's like the Chili Festival or something like that. And he was like... At every gathering, every year for that town. Isn't that cool? New Mexico famous for the Hatch Chili. Delicious. What is Hatch Chili? It's a a breed of chili. It's a type of chili. It's a long, thin, green chili. And during the harvest time, they roast them over open fires, and then they throw them in a bag for you, and you make all kinds of green sauces. New Mexico's like kind of green sauce, red sauce. split down. Do you get a lot of gas from that chili? I mean, I don't know. I guess you can get a lot of gas from anything vegetal. Global warming. And so we have construction starting in three new superchargers, including, I love seeing this, Lansing, Michigan, and Marshall, Michigan. So actually Marshall got open, but Lansing got started. What is Lansing, Michigan? Is the capital of Michigan. And what happens in Michigan? The Automobile Dealers Association has been hammering Tesla, Mm -hmm. and now Tesla is hammering back. You've heard about this lawsuit where they've asked for a reveal of all of the documents that went back and forth in Michigan that were prohibiting Tesla from selling in Michigan. And evidently, these documents are very incriminating of the lawmakers. Yes, They're fighting it tooth and nail. So the most interesting thing that happened in Lansing, Michigan, the elephant incident. Yeah. Please explain. The elephant incident. There was an elephant. They were having like a parking lot zoo uh, circus event, and the elephant got loose, ran all through the town, ran through a department store, knocked down signs, overturned car. In the end, the elephant uh, was subdued by the police. Very sad ending. He just needed some socks. He needed some love. And so this was the famous elephant incident of September 1963. It's so famous. I had no idea it happened. That's a good story. Yeah, they actually interviewed the teenagers. Uh In 2011, they interviewed the the people who were the teenagers at the time who were catcalling the elephant and upsetting the elephant and actually were the reason that the elephant went berserk. And they were very regretful. Mm. They felt remorse. They should. They talked to their teenage self, stop being such an elephant teaser. (laughs) Dear teenage self. (laughs) All right, let's talk about SpaceX. Of course, they've done a lot of launchy launches. They've done uh, some good things. But there's a bit of a delay and then some more launchy launches. Well, they're probably catching their breath. But July, we saw three launches in like 12 days, a record. Amazing. Three 
successful launches. Super there. successful. Yeah. Super successful. Super su- not a flaw. Did you see any flaws? I saw no flaws. I'm no rocket engineer, so I don't know if there were some minor flaws or not, Robert. But they seem to have uh, completed their missions. Yeah, Let's- nobody spoke up about a flaw. And so the next launch comes on the 10th of August at 11.07. That's West uh, Pacific Coast time. And they're going to launch from Kennedy Space Center 39A. They're going to send up CRS-12, which is the crew resupply uh, mission to the space station ISS. This will be the 12th of 20 contracted supply missions. They're going to have another launch on the 24th. We don't have a time. It's also going to it's going to go off from Vandenberg. Ooh. LC4E, and the payload is a Taiwanese satellite that is uh, intended for Earth observation. Are they going to landy land it back again? Yeah, I believe so. Hmm. Might have to go that one. And then on the tw- well, you can't see the landy land. No, I was just realizing that. Launch. I might have to swim out uh, in the ocean to see it land. Uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah, and I then, don't think you can get near it. And then get this four days later. Time yet not announced. They're going to launch from Kennedy Space Center a payload, uh, a, a secret Air Force space plane called the X-37B. It's kind of a cool thing. This is hey, the, man. Hey, man. That was a secret. This is – I know. They're going to come and take me away. Ha-ha. In their white suits. The X-37B is a um, – it looks like a mini space shuttle. There's some good pictures of it on the internet. You can read all about it. Their last mission lasted over 700 days, right? So like two plus almost three years in space. This thing does who knows what. In the past, they've used it for testing like ion engines, which is kind of something that I didn't realize is actually a thing. I thought it was science fiction, but they're using it on a lot, a lot of satellites to just help orient the satellite, move it around. It's basically an electric drive. How cool is that? And so now the question is, is this going to be used to test space weapons or who knows what? We're not going to find out. But we can watch it launch, and I think it's going to actually be within the fairing. It's that small of a, of a space plane. All right, let's talk about Keynote next, speaking. Next, next comes Elon is going to be speaking at the International Space Station Research and Development Conference this week, if you're listening to the show. And uh, it's uh, a big conference that basically brings together all the people who participate in the space station. He spoke back in 2015. I'll throw in a link to that talk. Uh, that you can check out from 2015. I don't know what he's going to talk about this year, but he's a big uh, inspiration for all these folks. It's their sixth conference, and uh, maybe they'll actually stream it. It would be cool to watch. I'll see if I can't get to that. Hyperloop, tunnels, boring. So I just happened to notice that on the boring website, they've added a new position. They're hiring. They've actually got like a dozen people they're looking to hire Mm -hmm. at the boring company. Unfortunately, the page is not getting shorter. So either they're hiring like many of each of these positions or nobody's wanting to go to work for the boring company. Most of the positions are for moles. <laughs> Ability to dig really quickly. That's such a good one, right? There. Thank you. Boring and moles. Because they, they live underground, Robert. They dig holes, Robert. Yeah. Oh, is that moles why? Moles live underground. Thank right? you. Yeah. But it's funny because they don't speak English and they're not like, uh, whatever. Get move on. I think you and so the newest position they put down there, I found interesting, which was an experience, an engineer with experience in CAN bus, which is that device that you plug in your car to get like diagnostics from your car. And I wonder if this is in somehow someone who's going to work on the skate, which somehow interfaces with the car so that there's some sort of intercommunication between the tunnels skate and the car in which you sit. Are you talking about for Hyperloop or for boring? Like where is this job posted? This is the boring company. 
Okay. Hyperloop and Boring Company are going to fuse into one thing. Of course they boring are. Boring Loop. It's going to be gone. You know, my son wants to be an engineer, but I keep telling him, dude, make sure that you have a minor in um, firmware engineering because that's where the big bucks are, mate. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and be artistic as well because the creativity is a big part of this. Let's talk about Vegas and robots because the Can robots are taking not, Just for a second. I, I think it's love funny. This. I, I love, love this. The co- I'm going to this bar. You know I'm going to go check it out. It go, looks tell like us it about pours it. a really crappy drink. But <laughs> I love it. I what do caught- I want more than anything? To go to Vegas, to have a robot pour me a drink that they, over, that's expensive. That they overcharge me for. Yeah. Wow, that sounds great. Hey, let's talk about it on the show. I think this is funny funny. because the title of the piece, which comes from the Daily Dot, uh, quote, the takeover begins. You know, we talk about AI a lot, and there is a fear, there is a concern that AI is not going to take us down a nice road. It's going to be a bumpy road. It's going to be a dangerous road. And here, the tipsy robot bar at Planet Hollywood has a robot. It's got the Kukla arm. There's actually two arms. And they've got Kuka. 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 Kuka, friend, and Ali. That's Kukla. I know. That's why I keep saying <laughs> Kukla. And so the oh. bar the bar has like 150 bottles of booze strung up from the ceiling, uh-huh. which makes it hard for you to actually choose and say, you know, I want that tequila. I agree with you, Tom. I'd like to have a bartender. In fact, at the end of the, of, of the, end of the article, they say, yeah, you'll have to shell out $14 for a one-shot drink from a bartender that can't even recommend a concert on the Strip. I mean, are they going to be able to tell me which one of the scotches is, is smoky and which one is not? Like, I need information when I'm picking my cocktail. This is the place you go when you're already tipsy and drunk. So you just, I, I just want a martini. Have you seen, uh, is it the movie <laughs> Passengers? Yes. Uh, where there's only one thing that's awake when the other dude wakes up, and it's the bartender, and he's a robot. That's a bartender. That now, guy you can talk to, you can get your drink. Does he have a bow tie? He's philosophic. He's, he's wearing a tux. He looks perfect until he doesn't. Yeah. And then... Until he doesn't. The question is, shall we put down $5? How long until we have that bartender? Oh, that's a... Sad, that's a de- pool. It's a fair decade away. Will this, will this show exist? Oh, this show will be huge by then. It'll actually be good in a decade. Yeah, we'll actually have robots. <laughs> well, let's, we'll not, have robots. let's not go nuts over there, buddy. We'll have robots here. So I threw in this last thing, the Freedom 5000. We talked about this cannonball run. It was actually to support an organization that fights and tries to discover uh, organizations that human traffic. So they're trying to put an end to human trafficking. And you can donate. You go to their website, freedom5000.org slash donate. I challenge you to give some money up to a good cause. And good they're you, Tesla mate. people. So I put out 20 bucks. I'm getting a T-shirt. Wham. Fantastic. Let's do letters. But before we do so, uh, let's have a word from our sponsor, Wonder Capital. Our company is Wonder Capital, and I'm Brian Bursick, the CEO. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. This episode of Talking Tesla is sponsored in part by Wonder Capital. But I didn't want to just sort of do an ad read. I wanted to get a little bit behind the scenes here. So ask Brian, in layman's terms, can you explain what you do? I can, I hope. 
in the last decade or so, a framework, sometimes it's called a lending marketplace, sometimes it's called uh, alternative lending, but has arisen in which you build a marketplace between people who want to borrow money and are willing to pay you know, a reasonable interest rate and people who want to supply it. And you disintermediate really the banks and the kind of the finance institutions more broadly from that process. So we operate a lending marketplace in commercial solar, matching businesses that are looking to put up uh, solar at their facilities or headquarters or you know locations and uh, we match them to investors who are interested in supporting solar and earning a, what they see as an attractive return so so that's it in a nutshell so is it as simple as let's say i'm a small business owner i'd like to put up a hundred thousand dollar solar array and battery backup but i don't have a hundred grand but i could make a payment on a hundred grand is that where i would go to somebody like wonder capital and say help me build this thing that is precisely right our typical commercial project, we target about half a million. So a slightly bigger project, but yeah, absolutely right otherwise. And so how does the investor make money? So now I'm an investor. So I've got uh, 10 grand, I've got 100 grand, and I want to invest it and I want to make damn sure it doesn't go to oil pipelines. I really want it to be in renewables. Hmm, that's right. So I give it to Wonder Capital. How do I make money on that investment? So we have two funds set up that sell notes to investors that either reach out to us directly or come to our website, wondercapital.com. And those funds, uh, those two funds, sell them notes that have yields. So, you know, interest per year uh, that they pay out to the investors uh, projected returns. So the projected return on the term fund, our most recent is 8.5%. And we fortunately have yet to miss an investor payment. That capital that is raised through those note sales goes immediately to then fund projects that deliver those types of returns. So basically, you take your capital, you give it to the fund, they promise you a, a projected return, and then the fund takes that capital and goes out and you know lends it to a business in precisely the way you were describing earlier. We're going to talk to Brian more in coming weeks as we get our head around this. They are a sponsor, and of course, any investing is not without risk. So speak to your investment professional before dropping back. Before we start... Oh! With these letters, uh oh, we got a letter back way, way back from Mark Bayer. Oh, you're right, back in the day, in talking Tesla eighty five, where he was sending us some chocolates, and he did send us those chocolates, and he also oh. sent us some other beverages. I see. And it's time for a taste test. And it's time to see if these are delicious or not delicious. Or disgusting. And so one of them is called Ravella, and I believe it's a mango soda. Yes. And the other one is Rivella, and <laughs> I have no idea what flavor it is. It's green. It could be green apple. Wait, here, let me just take a picture of so the uh, there, Tom. We're so going to open gonna the get, green one first. We're going to drink green one. Tom's got the uh, cups over there. Got some glasses. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is going to be very exciting, everybody. Now, are these from a particular place? Uh, what's the story behind these? These I are believe not from they're from, from the Swits of their land. The Swits of the land? Okay. I so I'm um, Swiss. They came. Uh, with the Toblerone oh, and the other Swiss The Toblerone chocolate. didn't last too is long. Is there an the aroma smell to this Yeah, uh, this smells... Beverage? I don't want to give you too much because we're going to drink two. I'll just take a little bit. Sweet. Uh, there's some herbs in there. Yeah, mm, herbs. Is uh, there an herbiness? Is, um, let me just have a little... I think it's apple. It reminds... Just the smell reminds me of ginger ale. Okay. Yeah, it's got... It's a little fruity. At first, I thought that's disgusting, but actually, it's quite mild. It's not bad. I have to say, this is the first soda I've drunk 
Mm. In, in a year, maybe more. This one, I'm almost 100% convinced this one's mango. Yeah, let's and, see. And just thanks, Mark. Uh, sorry it took so long for us to get to the taste testing. And sorry to everybody else that has to listen to this. Uh, <laughs> but we're doing it. I mean, feel free to cut it out if you want. Yeah, I mean, like, I here we know. go. Fast forward 15 seconds, <laughs> maybe 30. Here we go. This is the mango one. We're going to try it out. Mm. 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 Oh, it smells very smells, mangoey. Smells mangoey. It's got a little oh, mango afterburn. The, the mango aroma. Mm. That one's good. You know what would go good in this? Vodka. <laughs> you know what would go good in any drink? Vodka. I wish, uh, would you have one of those Kuka robots hanging up from the ceiling? <laughs> no. You could be like, just drop some vodka. So thanks, well, so thanks again, Mark. Uh, we appreciate it. Hope you're uh, doing well, buddy. I, vo- uh, I vote for mango. Yeah, it's it's the better of the two. Bruce Dawson, mate, is an Australian, of course, because his name's Bruce. And Bruce, we talked about this. Bruce wanted to Bruce, uh, tell us about Bruce. that uh, Elon popped down and said hello and uh, said, I'm going to install this giant battery thing in South Australia. And he said, look, if he keeps this up, we might have to say, good job, mate, or good on you, muskie. And I say, uh, actually, if he keeps this up and keeps helping Australia, we might have to call him Bruce. <laughs> I think we should call the battery installation, right? Brucey battery, number one. Brucey battery, number one. That's ridiculous, but I like it. And the next letter is from <laughs> Kurt Robach. It's so good to have you back, pronouncing people's names. Do you like that? Yeah. So Kurt has a few questions, and he hopes to be a Model 3 owner in the not-too-distant future. And uh, he wants to specifically know, because he lives in a place where he needs it, when will all-wheel drive Model 3 come out? Elon suggested back in the day, a few months ago, that it would probably be six to nine months. So if you don't have um, your uh, reservation, thank you, in there, Kurt, I suggest you put in one in now because you're not going to see it for a year, and there'll probably be all-wheel drives at that point. So Kurt's an RN and a paramedic, and he's an essential employee, so he needs to report to work when he's required to report to work. But my question to him is, uh, is he driving an all-wheel drive vehicle now? My guess is that you could put tire chains on a non-all-wheel drive Model 3, and it would be effective driving through the snow. I, I don't know what kind of road. I don't know how big the difference is going to be. Obviously, it'll be big, big between big. all-wheel drive, but you're still going to probably want to put tire chains yeah, on Yeah, but I've, I've no played tires. that game. And you put on the chains, and then the snow peters out in some area, and then you got to put the chains off, and then you got to put the chains back on. And it's like, you know, if you got to get to work because they're calling you because some, I don't know, school bus turned over, you just got to get there. He was also asking okay. about um, he would really like to get some solar panels and stuff, and where's the best place to start with working out if where you live is worth putting on solar panels? And mm-hmm. I suggest there's lots of places, but the Google Project Sunroof is a good place to start. It's basically yeah. Google Images and some data, and it'll tell you about how many hours a day you can expect and what your roof of your house looks like, for example. And yeah. it's free, and I made that a link, so you can just drop that right into the show notes. And I also believe, Kurt, just for the record, like there are used dual Teslas for sale right now. Yeah. They're probably, I think the last time I looked, which was <laughs> yesterday, there was probably the most inexpensive one that had dual drive was around 68 so still very, very pricey. Right. So... Sundeep Vora has a really interesting question because I was wondering the same thing. Now, we've talked about the fact that uh, Tesla is now really focused on getting these battery, giant battery packs out to Australia or he's going to lose $50 million. Mm. And uh, Sundeep was worried, hey, does this mean that the uh, cells that are coming off the line that were going to go into Model 3s are now going to go into these giant power packs, therefore constraining once again the number of batteries that are available for cars, therefore again delaying Model 3, just like we saw with the battery packs for Model S. And therefore, or are they different? No. Because it's a different battery. 
It is a different power battery? packs are, have a different a different chemical makeup than automobile batteries, and this is one of the reasons why JB had said you cannot effectively right. use your car to power your house. So vehicle to grid is not going to work well with the chemistry that's currently in Tesla's. But the question really is about manufacturing capacity, and my guess is they can build the same chemical or the different chemical composites on the same machinery. True. So are they going to have to sort of like redo the machinery to to get this product out so they or, don't get the $50 million penalty? Or is the machinery just maxed out? And in fact, yeah, I don't know the Tesla deliveries were really slow of the Model uh, 100s, the S100s, in uh, March, April, May. All those people trying to get that free supercharging on their hundreds. Well, but they were having a hard time building out the battery packs. And the the kind of current thinking is that it wasn't the battery cells that was the problem. It was actually the new pack architecture. So maybe they were having problems getting the manufacturer to make the inserts for the cells or the cooling system for the cells. But in June, Tesla announced that they had corrected this and that 100 battery packs are flying off the assembly line at the uh, expected rate. Um, instead of having a media pick of the week, uh, it has been suggested um, by Sandeep, who is this? Same, same, Sandeep, same, same oh, yes, um, that we do sort of a uh, clean habit of the week. For example, Tom's told us about the fact that he's a weekday vegetarian. Very useful. Yes. People have found that a uh, smart idea. And inspired Sandeep. And uh, we've talked about maybe uh, you should get an electric leaf blower for your gardener if you have a gardener instead of the diesel one. So I like this. Uh, does anybody off the top of their head have, have one for us? Well, I didn't install a lawn when we re-landscaped <gasps> our house. One. We did Xeriscape, which is low water, put some drippers down to some fruit trees and some vegetables. And so now I'm enjoying like apples off my apple tree and limes with my tequila. And the persimmon tree is just piled. I've got probably 150 persimmons on one tree. And I'm not sure how this would affect your overall global footprint, but let's say, for instance, you got a Goal Zero solar panel and a Goal Zero power pack, and you charged all of your iDevices purely on this instead of and never plugging them into your house. You need to recharge at the end of the... You kept your panel outside during the day to charge up mm-hmm. your Goal Zero battery, and when you came home, you plugged your phone into that. So that's a possibility, but I don't know what the carbon payback on, you know, all of the manufacturing of that device would be. Mel would have to look into that maybe a little deeper. I'll do, I'll do some math on that. The other thing that uh, Sandeep has done is he's like, I've gone to an electric shaver. And then he goes into great detail about uh, the upsides and downsides <laughs> to the electric shaver. And if um, he decided to charge his electric shaver, which I'm assuming it's a rechargeable electric shaver, the same way on the Goal Zero thing, right. that would be... Or he could just put solar panels on his house and yeah. bam, everything's Boom. there. One thing I did a few years ago was I bought a soda stream. I own no stock in SodaStream. They don't give me anything, I love period. Soda stream. So SodaStream, if you haven't seen it, SodaStream usa.com at least that's the website i get here in the states Mm -hmm. it's a machine that has a big co2 container we want to we want to capture co2 right and then we can put it in these little containers and then you basically they give you two hard plastic bottles you fill it up with filtered water you chill it in your fridge you screw it on and the thing is all charged up you have uh, bottled uh carbonated water it tastes just as good as the perrier better or the Pellegrino. Much better. And you don't have to make a glass bottle, ship it halfway around the world. Mm-hmm. Water is really heavy. Make a cardboard box for it and then schlep it from Costco or wherever you buy your stuff to your house. 
it saves a fortune. A fortune. And time, you, effort, and you resource. can customize your uh, level of bubblingness. Oh, do it you do that? Amazing. Yeah, you can add more. You can you push oh. it more times. More I just listen for the three burps and then I'm done. First world issues. What I think is fun is that you actually think that they're actually importing this from Italy when there's just a dude at the back of Costco with yeah. a tap and some <laughs> I don't soda know what stream. He's talking about. <laughs> no, not the soda stream, but like he's talking about the Pellegrinos. Yeah, and, no, and, that's uh, what I'm talking about. Pellegrinos yeah, made at Costco. It's a guy with a soda stream. That's funny. Yeah. Hey, let's talk to Christy Morgan. Now, Christy Morgan did uh, a little driving. Did some driving from exciting. San Francisco up to Rockland or past Rockland, California. Into the Sierras. Into the Sierras, checking stuff out. And sh- sent us some beautiful pictures of a beautiful supercharger with 10 stalls. So this is cutting edge. I went on to the Tesla uh, Motors, uh, onto the Tesla Club Forum to see what was the status of the Vacaville supercharger. This is near the uh, Jelly Bean Factory. Did you know that? There's a Jelly Bean Factory? Yeah, the Jelly Bellies Factory is up oh, there. I love Jelly Bellies Yeah, well, so you can much. go for a tour with tons of... Uh, people who are really sugar amped up because by the time you finish the tour, everybody's had like too much sugar. And so at that supercharger, it is often busy. I've been there probably three, four times, stacks of cars. It's really hot. You're waiting. You're getting frustrated. And it turns out they've put two new superchargers on a pallet and they're now installing another eight because they got four brand new supercharger um, cabinets. Ballards. Each cabinet. What? Bollards. 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 That's the thing that that stands up with a plug on it. Sorry. And so uh, they've got four new supercharger cabinets. Each cabinet, of course, powers two stalls. That's why there's the A and the B. And she shows these pictures. This is great. I'm really excited to see this because this is really necessary. This means that Vacaville will be 12 superchargers strong. They probably need to go up another 12 at least. And then on the way back, she talks about Rockland, California. In fact, I talked to one of the guys in Oxnard who expanded the Oxnard supercharger, and they were on their way to Rockland. And now they've expanded that, and they've added 10 more stalls. There's a great picture of it here. First picture that I've seen, I don't know if I was going to put it up on the Tesla forum, but I didn't want to steal from her. Christy, I respect you. Thanks for the information. That's so exciting to see. Next. 18 stalls in Rockland. And you're saying that this is a trend for more and more stalls. Yeah, they seem to be getting to a number that's actually getting substantial. Yeah, they're maxing out the what I've seen, you know, Oxnard and up here. And there's a bunch of places where we're not hearing the details of the new superchargers, but they're actually expanding existing busy stations by a substantial number, doubling even larger. So that I expect we're going to have 18 stall superchargers you know, spread all over the regions where there's a lot of supercharging going on. Now, we're going to uh, stick in a couple of Tesla charges here once uh, Solar City comes in and does their thing. But uh, I've got a question. Would I be considered too much of a geek if I built something that looked like that ballad thing? I think it would be fun to have my Tesla charger here at the studio look like a supercharger, but just put a regular charger in there. Would that be too geeky for you? What if you have people driving by here thinking like, oh it's a God, supercharger? I've got no problem as long as uh, I'm not using it. They can use it. Yes, but they're not going to get the fast That would be very, very geeky. That'd be strange. It'd be cool, though. Yeah, you could build like a big statue, a big Tesla supercharger statue. I say you do it, but do it out of, make it out of mashed potato. Uh, we're going to go to Joel Sapp, who sent us a thing about the kangaroo detection problems. We actually did that last week, Joel, which was, again, uh, kangaroos jump up in the air. <laughs> and uh, they sort of fly through the windows of your car, and it's really hard to get the software right to know to get out of the way when it's flying through the air. Jameson Claypool who uh, yeah. sends us some interesting stuff, but most importantly what he sends us <laughs> is that this dude, who's pretty ripped, 
now has a gigantic Tesla logo on his chest. It's pretty sweet. It's the T with the uh, curve over the top of it, and it's got like a lightning bolt kind of running through detail of it, so it's not just solid ink. And he says... You know what the problem is with this picture? No. The biggest problem with this picture? What? He had that tattoo put right in the tickle zone. Oh, I'm not ticklish. T- so. You're not. No. Oh my God, that would be like you'd need anesthesia, anesthesia for that. <laughs> and he did suggest different ways you might be able to get him to use your referral code. Yeah, he wants us to either play rock paper scissors for three. Did you see this? How to do rock paper scissors for three people? Yeah, <gasps> it's possible. Yeah, we could do that live. Uh, Bruce Dawson must be Australian, mate. Sad news. And he says good day. Of course, he's Australian. His name's Bruce, for God's sake. <laughs> Bruce. Bruce. Now, he said, look, uh, Sydney Morning Herald, I think it was in, uh, that uh, the Sydney, one of the Sydney superchargers is being closed. And I was depressed. I'm like, oh, what's going on there? Do they not sell enough Teslas? Turns out their supercharger was in the bottom of a casino. The casino wants parking it closed lot. in the parking lot because the Tesla owners, they'd hope, would come and gamble like $3,000 every time they charged. And the Tesla owner's like, no, I just want to charge my car. And get a cup of coffee. Get a cup of coffee. I don't need to go to your... Sh- Stupid, you know, Vegas-style uh, money-wasting uh, entertainment. So they're going to have to move it somewhere else. That's a, that's a, ugh, that feels horrible. But the most important thing about this story is I looked up, if I lived in Sydney, where on earth could I possibly charge my Tesla? There is only one supercharger now in Sydney. He, he pointed this out. Bruce pointed this out as well. And did you notice what street it's on? Oh, I did. You did, huh? Yes. I they named too, it after yeah. me. But what I don't understand, another Ken reason, Herbert Street. The one, the one of the reasons they closed this was because people were also using it, keeping their cars plugged in for an exorbitant amount of time. So right. were Tesla owners like going in and then just having like an all-you-can-eat shrimp buffet, and then and gambling, then, and then and not then, gambling, and then leaving? I don't know. I mean, if they were gambling, my guess is it would still be open. Oh, I, I, it I, would be. This seems just a little silly. But then think back, United States. Three years ago, superchargers just getting started. How are these problems any different? They're not. Daniel Quivero, who uh, writes to us a lot, we uh, Diego. Di- what did I say? <laughs> Daniel. Daniel. Oh, but that's hey, cool. Whatever. Hey, Diego, could you change your name to Bruce? Because <laughs> <laughs> Bruce is a name I can pronounce. Uh, Diego's talking about the the fourth contract, and I maybe I missed this. It was well as way. What is this? Uh, what fourth. is this thing? Going forth, this was this organization that uh, he first wrote us, inviting us to Portland, and then I think when you were gone and yeah. didn't listen to the show, yeah. Tom and I were talking all about this fourth uh, mobility conference that they had. They've created a showroom where you can make an appointment and at one stop test drive a Leaf, a Bolt, and a Ford C-Max, all EVs. So they're trying to promote electric vehicles in Oregon. They're also promoting charging stations in areas uh, where the economic uh, advantage, well, I should say, people who don't have money live. So they're trying to put EV chargers in places where people uh, don't typically think of electric vehicles. And um, it, it all looks really cool. You can go to their website, Forth. F-O-R-T-H, mobility.com. And uh, and it's also, uh, they're looking for donations and such, too. And Diego has offered to uh, get us an interview with the executive director of Forth. So. I think that'd be oh. a great idea because maybe this is a great blueprint that could be rolled out in cities across the world to improve the, yeah. the, the sort of like 
uh, man-on-the-street knowledge of electric vehicles. Right. It's all about the information. Information is power. Diego, let's make this happen. Blaine Havens has a letter here, and he basically says, you know, I've been uh, driving around, and I went to sort of Amish Mennonite country, and they don't use a lot of electricity. Two different things, by the way. Well, they're similar. Uh, there's a Wikipedia article I put in here because I was like, what is the difference between Amish and Mennonite? I won't go into it because I'll probably make a mistake. But these are a uh, group that live very simply, very low carbon footprint. But he noticed that there's lots of solar panels in their communities. And it turns out that the little stores that they run, they run them off solar energy. So uh, that is pretty cool. That's uh, really cool. Now, they're, can, they're about saving the world, the Amish and the Mennonite as well. It's a big, that's awesome. big part of their thing. I, I went and visited a friend of mine who lives in Amish country, but I felt really uncomfortable because he lived in a town formerly called Cross Keys. You know what it's called now? No. It's in Pennsylvania, Intercourse, Pennsylvania. How Hello. do you come across naming your town Intercourse? Uh, let's move on. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Unpronounceable says he really hates it. Look, we've got to hurry up here because I've got to do this letter. Kevin Unpronounceable hates it when I speed things up and try and rush through the show. Yeah, at the so end. hurry up and speed through his letter. So uh, that's enough of that letter. He already, uh, he already plays you at like 1.5 speed, he says. So now you talk like this because we're an Australian exit opera. Uh, gave us some insight into how to fix the opening of the show. So the next go round, we might or might not do that, but we're going to do it quickly. That's for sure. David Kisser. <laughs> David Kisser, mate, has a little letter here. They're it's, not all Australian, right? And he says, uh, what does uh, David say? He says uh, some things here that uh, maybe uh, whole house energy monitoring. And um, I didn't really didn't read the letter because uh, I wanted to rush through it. Wow, that is just mean spirited. No, he wants to know yeah. if you have any references about a whole house monitor that's basically looking at all of your energy usage and what you can use to sort of oh I'm using a lot of energy there how can I make that thing more efficient? so if you have like a solar water heater on the roof and you're not actually taking a hot shower or using hot water to mm -hmm. wash your clothes could you then capture that hot water in like a hot water tank and this is all been worked out there's like home heating systems that work with piping hot water through pipes in your floor it's actually very efficient very and they use these uh very very to use a, firm, very, a phrase very 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 insulated tanks to hold water and it superheats the water during the day when you have your uh solar water heater panels on the roof and then in the evening when it's cool and you're not yet in bed it flows that water through your floor and heat your house. It's a lovely system. There's so many great methods for utilizing uh, this excess energy we receive at various times of the day. So two questions. One is, what happens to your solar water heater? Because I was going to get one a few years ago, mm -hmm. and I never did, and I can't remember why. There was some technical issue. What happens when you're in Southern California, and it's already 3,000 degrees on the top <laughs> of your roof, and then you put one of these solar heaters? It's got to get so hot it's going to explode and kill the small children. Uh, no. How does it There's, vent that? Because it's got to get it, so So, hot. first off, all water heaters have, a, like, a overflow, like a pressure relief valve. It would at, want to. At least they should. Yes. And if they're been properly installed, however. For example, I've got a solar water heater for my pool. Okay. It's on the roof, and it heats up the pool okay. in the months where it's not so sunny. Yes. In the summer, you've got to turn it off, or the pool becomes superheated. Right. So, but you're turning off the pump, correct? Yes, yeah, so I stopped so the water So, the water... Flow. Just sits either it sits empty, right, or the water sits in there getting very, very hot. And the pressure is relieved by a pressure valve. Right. Now, this other thing that he's talking about, this idea of whole house monitoring, I'm very interested in. Is there, somebody answer me this, a simple solution 
where I can work out where the energy in my house is being used. Maybe it's some interface between my panel and the energy I'm using on each circuit that can tell me, Mel, uh, it's the fridge that's using all the energy. It's your stupid computer that you don't turn off. It's this thing over here. Because if I could monitor it, I think I'd be much better at shutting yeah, I, stuff down. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there are ways to independently measure the wattage of all of the things that are plugged into your to your outlets at any yeah. given time. I don't, I don't know of one thing that's been built that will monitor all of your usage and sort of what's happening. Like, oh, your kids left the light on in the room. Although there are, if you have these connected, you can buy connected light bulbs so you can see whether or not, you know, you can check once a day at work, you know, at your break or whatever. Did I leave a light on in the house? There are things that can do that. Like I turn off all the air conditionings in our studio uh, remotely on yep. Friday, I have a notification that says, "Hey, turn off the check the thermostat." So I try to check them every evening to make sure they've been turned off, or every Friday to make sure that they're not running over the weekend when no one's there. If, for example, if you have a Solar City solar panel system and you have room in your circuit breaker box, you can get the home energy monitoring program, which tells you when certain things are happening. So you can see surges in the power and you can judge how much of that surge there is. And that is your air conditioning unit. Wow. Nobody's home and it's going off. Alert. Uh, Or your refrigerator is cycling a lot more frequently, meaning that maybe your refrigerator is starting to fail for some reason and it's not able to keep the cool. There's like whole home energy uh, monitoring systems. I have just a box that I can plug in the wall and then I can plug a a refrigerator into it or something if I want to monitor how much energy it's using. I use that for a um, flat panel television and then I realize that I really do need to turn it off at the plug, not at the device. And so vampire uh, power you're speaking of. Vampire yes. power. And in fact, uh, architects now when they're building homes if they are energy efficient will put in a red switch or a a designated switch for each room of the home that will turn off all the power to the room, including all the plugs. And you can uh engineer in like one plug near the bed, which might be for your clock radio, so that that one plug stays hot, but the rest of the room goes dead. When you turn that switch off, why this is not being done more universally, I don't know. But it is sort of another one of these paradigm shifts that help us to save electricity. Well, and as we add uh, appliances like Alexa's and Google Homes, you know, we're adding more and more stuff that's just constantly kind of on and monitoring. And so if you're going to add an Alexa, you can use that as your clock radio. Get rid of your clock radio and you sort of at least even that out because Alexa will tell you what time it is and it will set an alarm for you and has a lovely – a chime to wake you up in the morning. So I like this idea. Uh, These are the early days. You've got all these disconnected devices. Can we bring it all together? That'd be great. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I think it's time to end. That's the show. I didn't rush, did I? No, you did a good job. In my brain, I didn't feel like I was rushing, no, even, we, even though Kevin thinks that I'm a rusher. Lots of, maybe he thinks you're rushing. It's the accent. It could be. Maybe. Yeah. No. It could be. No. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uh, his name's Tom. That's Robert. My name's I, Mel. Uh, this is Talking Tesla. We're done for this week. Yeah. And uh, we hope to see some more uh, Model 3s up there, but we're not going to because they've built one. And trust me, you're not going to see any more until July 28th event. We're going to be going live. We don't know where. We don't know exactly when. We don't know exactly how. But it's going to happen. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're going to go live at some point that day that is a Friday. Nice. All right. Next week. Out. Uh, bye, out. everyone. Talking Tesla is a production of Fully Boo Incorporated, hosted by Mel Herbert, 
Tom Wilson and Robert Rosenberg. Edited by Eliza Jane Barnes. Produced by C.C. Herbert and Mel Herbert. To support Talking Tesla, go to patreon.com forward slash Talking Tesla. To find our referral codes, go to talkingtesla.net forward slash about. And finally, if you love the show, go write us a review on iTunes.